1: Kate okay, Thornton and welcome to Up Close and Socially Distant. On this week's episode, I'll be talking to broadcaster and presenter Vic Hope about her involvement in charitable initiatives helping refugees, to Oasis Hub Food Bank and Debt Advice Centre manager Rebecca Gibson, and to Radio One's DJ Ariel Free, who's staging kitchen raves for families up and down the country, keeping them dancing and sane in lockdown. Ariel Free has been bringing people together all over the country every Friday through to Sunday with euphoric dance anthems on BBC Radio 1. She's also been helping families shake off the stresses and strains of lockdown and homeschooling by hosting kids' kitchen raves on her social media channels. And she's joining me now to tell me more about it. Thank you so much for dialing in. I mean, you've certainly been bringing a real energy boost with your radio show. So every Friday and Saturday, you're on from four till six, then five till seven on Sundays. How has it been trying to continue to broadcast and keep people's spirits up in lockdown?
2: It's really bizarre because at that time in the morning um, the kind of audience is always split into two you either have those who've been working through night a lot of people who are doing night shifts people who are on the end of a night shift so that I'm like the last few hours of that like kind of work shift that they've got or they're up super early and it used to be people going to the airport like airport M um, runs or people getting to the gym really quickly or people who'd been at raving and still working the last few hours of the soundtrack and what I found is that actually obviously we don't have the straight through crew anymore and we don't have the airport runs but there's people who, who have been working through the night it's like tripled we have our delivery people are our, and our, um, those are trying to get like essentials to the supermarkets and a lot of hospitals and wards as well have had us on so it's been a real there's been a shift in terms of like the early morning crew but it almost feels I've been really I'm really feel quite honored to actually be able to like broadcast at that time because it definitely feels that like people need that point of conversation and and need that company at that time in the morning and also weirdly yeah the big house music is what goes down really well at that time in the morning. Cause everyone's, if they are in the last, like a like few hours of the night shift, they're always just like requesting like, like old school bangers, like Derude, Sandstorm and things like that. They're like, this is going to help me go. Like get me Faithless Insomnia on now. <laughs> um, so it's actually been amazing. It's been busier than ever and like on, more interactive than ever.
1: So actually um, you're really helping to assist in keeping the nation going.
2: It's, it's funny as well because they, they all kind of help each other as well. So like we had um a uh, lady Lee, like to call in, she was I think she was doing a really long journey, and um, having to deliver like some essential uh, medication and um she said, Oh, I've just I need to stop him on like the M6, I need to stop and have a coffee and feel the mini tie with the songs really helped me. And then someone like another like guy guy text and he's just like Jenny I'm in this service station, there's a coffee waiting for you. He's just, and it's been really Aww. lovely to see. Like and actually we've had like hospitals like call each other out. So there was girls and like a ward in the Kamarnik hospital and we're like, Oh, we want to shout out our like fellow nurses over in the ICU, like and it was just, it's it's been really quite heartwarming.
1: Outside of, of your work at Radio One, you've also been hosting, and I thank you for this, as, as a mother who's homeschooling and trying to contain a child in lockdown. You've been hosting kids' kitchen raves, basically. Yeah.
2: What does a kitchen rave consist of, and what are the kids getting from it? Well, it's really funny. Like It was basically the first week of full lockdown. And I was like, I have so many friends who have young kids that were like, I don't know how I'm going to do this homeschooling and like get through it. And I know that Joe Wicks has been doing his like exercises in the morning, And I was like, do you know what? My favourite thing that my friends' kids love doing is just, like, we put on, like, big, like, dance numbers and, like, really fast speeds and then just, like, let them, like, have a shimmy. And I thought, right, I'm going to go live in the mix for an hour and I'm not just going to play dance songs, I'm going to like try and get in some family faves there. So I managed to find like an EDM version of Billie Eilish's Bad Guy, like a Tiesta remix, which has gone down a storm. I found like this amazing (laughs) remix of Baby Shark, which is like my number one requested tune. Um, And the first thing I did it, like thousands of people watched it across like Instagram and Facebook. And they're like, right, when's the next one? And I was like, Well, should we do it Wednesday? And so it's kind of, I've kind of taken on this like role of being like the slightly disheveled, uh, more erratic Joe Wicks. (laughs) You never know, I might drop the Baby Shark remix at the next festival I get to DJ. I think it might go down well.
1: Have you had any feedback from parents in, in terms of like A, gratitude and B, like telling you what the kids are getting from this?
2: People have really gone for it. There was one dad who like recreated Ocean Beach Club in his front room. So we set up a fake tiki bar and he had like a little <laughs> paddling pill that he filled with balls, like a ball pit. And like the kids are jumping in and out of the ball pit. And like I've had other like parents who like set up like their bike lights, like to make it like a rave, like flashing lights. And it sent me. And it's been amazing. So, yeah. And you're right. It is that thing of like shaking off. And I think the reason why it works is because with like the kind of exercise classes they're having to do certain moves and be quite regimented and disciplined, which is obviously amazing for their exercise. But the fact that they can just like shake things off, they can just be completely inhibited in terms of like their dances and what they want to do. Because we've all seen kids at a party. Like they love going wild, don't they? Like, and they love yeah. just, like shaking off that energy and just being a bit silly for an hour.
1: I think they need it. And now more than ever. You're also helping children everywhere who are feeling down about missing their friends and unable to celebrate those big benchmark moments like their proms
2: yeah so I recently did a thing with Newsbee about how to throw you in virtual prom and um, I know like my niece she's missed her seven our year seven levers, so she's like finished primary school, she' getting like the levers she's gonna go and start high school without seeing her friends for months on end and and so it is like something that I was quite aware of, and a few schools got in touch and said, "Look, would you be up for like just doing a live d j set so I'm gonna do a set yeah on uh Friday, the fifth of June, which when a lot of proms were meant to be happening. And just do a big like an hour's like DJ set and then hopefully they can continue the party in their front rooms, their kitchens, wherever the dance floor is, or else they're self isolating and and the best thing is you can now add audio through zoom so people are using zoom they can all connect on that or they can put like instagram live up on their tvs or youtube and whatnot so hopefully i'll be able to stream it in a number of places that people can actually put it aloud on the speakers as well and i mean i never got to go to my own prom so i'm gonna get a prom dress on whilst the dj and like basically <laughs> get that moment that i never got to have when i was younger so there's kind of like a bit of a self-satisfaction to getting involved in those proms as well you've got your own agenda working yeah now, exactly so that's brilliant.
1: <laughs> This week is Mental Health Week, and keeping an eye on our mental health, especially in lockdown, is so important right now. And the theme of this year's uh, Mental Health Week is kindness. And you've already spoken about how you've started to see, you know, sense and feel that with your listeners on Radio 1. Um, how do you think uh, we as communities and families can be kinder to each other, not just now, but way beyond lockdown?
2: I think it's that thing of having a moment to pause and understand why someone might be unkind. So I always think of it in terms of like social media, you know, there are people who will go on to social media and be unkind. They might be trolls. They might lash out at people. And I always think... Rather than lashing back at them or being unkind to them, sometimes maybe it's just t- about taking a moment and being like, okay, well, maybe they've got stuff that they're going through in their life. There's probably a reason behind it. And maybe sometimes helping that is just being kind back. Like there's that saying, isn't it, Kill them with kindness. Absolutely. Especially when we get out of lockdown, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people are going to be hit quite hard financially. And I think now more than ever, we've just got to be a bit aware that people might just be going. and we don't necessarily read like you know put it all over our faces do we We a lot of us hide what we're going through so I think it's just that thing of being like if someone lashes out at you or is a bit nasty to you and maybe being like okay maybe they're having a bit of a rubbish day and I know that's not always necessarily going to ring true for a lot of situations but that's the kind of way I see it
1: I think it's a good way to play it you know what if someone goes low you go high
2: definitely and I couldn't agree more especially when you know Things can be faceless, like on social media and whatnot. But
1: well, listen, you keep raving as long <laughs> as we're kept indoors, please, because our kids need to dance and feel music again and feel carefree, even yeah. if it's just for an hour in their kitchen. Okay. So thank you. Enjoy your
2: prom. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.
1: Rebecca Gibson is the centre manager for the Food Bank and Debt Advice Centre at the Oasis Hub in Waterloo in London, providing food parcels and debt advice to those in need in her local area. Food banks have, quite frankly, never been more in demand as the UK crashes into a recession, leaving so many people vulnerable, unable to meet their debts and to feed themselves. So Rebecca, thank you for joining me. Tell us first and foremost about the service you're providing at Oasis and what it's offering to the people that need it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Oasis works in what we call community hubs uh, around the country and actually around the world. Uh, So locally in Waterloo, we basically run uh, holistic community services, which are about uh, helping and enabling people to thrive in their local communities. So for us, that looks like uh, loads of really positive work, including a small city farm work in our local uh, Oasis schools. Youth work, children's work, partnerships with our local hospital, Uh, and then the services that I run, which uh, include our food bank and debt advice provision. So locally, I'm kind of supporting people who unfortunately are finding themselves in situations of crisis where they uh, can't afford to provide food for themselves or their families, uh, or they're struggling with unmanageable debt.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is gonna be a harsh reality for so many people. People that would never have considered having to use a food bank before. Are you seeing a huge increase in demand?
3: Yeah, so uh, in the food bank, we've seen referrals go up hugely uh, in the last few weeks since this crisis has been unfolding. So uh, we're working with a couple of other food banks locally at the moment. And before this crisis, we would have been feeding an average of 180 people a week, which is still a huge number. But uh, since the crisis started, we're now feeding on average 700 people every week. Uh, So it's been the kind of really sad reality that we've just seen the need for our at service grow and grow and people in more and more desperate situations when they turn to, to help from us really. The people that
1: you're helping, talk to me about the problems that
3: they're facing and the impact that lockdown's having on them. The kind of short-term impact of things not being on the supermarket shelves had a real big impact. People were coming to us saying there's only the most expensive brands left on the shelves and we and we can't afford to buy those. And equally, there are people who have been uh, laid off work, not been able to access the furlough scheme, have been waiting uh, for benefit payments to kick in, uh, often left for many weeks with absolutely no income and no savings to fall back on. So, people who would have been getting by uh, on their wages previously then absolutely just plunged into crisis. Emotionally, how are they
1: coping? Because there's a huge amount of mental health um, issues that come with struggling and the crisis of a time like this?
3: The impact certainly being felt very harshly and, and we're having lots of difficult conversations with people just in uh, absolutely heartbreaking situations where they have no certainty about where their next meal is going to come from, where their next uh, amount of money is going to come from, how they're going to pay their rent uh, and bills worrying about amounting levels of debt and just really struggling in the face of all the uncertainty that's that's going on at the moment i think people are are really going to continue to struggle for for some time you talked um briefly about the fact that
1: people find themselves in this this horrible um limbo where they're waiting for benefits Mm. uh kick in um can you tell us about the 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 process of of applying for universal credit and how that's making people reliant on you and the services you provide in the short term.
3: Yeah, so people when they first apply for universal credit have to wait 5 weeks from date of application till their first payment uh, as a minimum and that is something that is Built into the the structure of the system, as it were. So, if you've been working a job where you get paid weekly, for example, you could have had your last uh, wage payment uh, many, many weeks ago and be uh, surviving on on no income. And your choice is either to take out an advance, which you then have to pay back over quite a short period of time, uh, and and may leave you short for several months while you pay that back or to be left with no income at all. And that's when we see many people arrive at the door of our food bank while they're in that crucial time where they have absolutely no income and and nowhere else to turn to. We've also seen over the last few months, particularly a huge increase in children coming to our feed bank. Some people really struggling to access those uh, vouchers which have been put in place of free school meals. But prior to that, over the last few years, we've seen a steady increase in the number of people who are struggling through the school holidays as school meals are removed, which is a vital service that parents just then struggle to afford to replace those meals.
1: You're also um, supporting people during this really challenging times, when it comes to the economic unknown, people that are facing mountain debts that they just can't see a way through with. Uh, So how does the debt advice work?
3: So we have a team of trained debt advice caseworkers, they're volunteers, they very kindly give up their time and they uh, provide support to people negotiating on their behalf with creditors and and helping them see a way through and and create a path out of debt for them. And we, at the moment, actually, we're we're helping a large number of people with managing just over half a million pounds worth of personal debt in Waterloo but we have actually seen a bit of a pause in uptake of referrals uh, because lots for lots of people evictions are on hold uh, local council debts are are on hold for recovery of those for many people as well but what we're expecting is a huge influx a huge wave of referrals to hit as soon as some of those measures are are removed and people suddenly have built up huge amounts of debt over this time and are suddenly being asked to to pay it all back. So we're really concerned that we're going to see a huge uh, increase in need in, in the coming months.
1: That's the kind of stress and anxiety that doesn't allow somebody to sleep at night if they're worried about losing their home, not being able to feed their families. And this is becoming a reality for hundreds of thousands of families under lockdown, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, as part of my job with the debt advice, I see people through all sorts of uh, circumstances. And I've sat in court with uh, a single mum with three children about to lose her home and and the roof over her head and all that's keeping her and her children safe. And so uh, to be able to advocate for someone and and to fight in their corner is a real privilege. But the fact that people are in these positions in the first place is, is often as a result of huge injustice and Uh, people not being properly cared for.
1: A lot of these problems existed before lockdown. What do you think needs to change structurally in this country so that we can tackle poverty long term?
3: Yeah, so I think in order to tackle poverty long term, we really need to see some uh, key policy changes. Lots of those are around uh, support for the most vulnerable, so people who uh, do need to access the benefit system, making that a process where they don't have to wait five weeks for a first payment, uh, where the payments they do receive are enough that they can uh, afford the essentials. Uh, Particularly at a time like that, it's become uh, very apparent that uh, people can't access very easily always the support that they need Uh, so that's a key thing as well as we see huge issues around uh, lack of affordable housing particularly Uh, we see that a lot in our area and uh, people in poorly paid work on kind of zero hour contracts that are not paying them a proper living wage so uh, those are just a few things that I think we need to work really hard on to make sure that people can have a roof over their heads, a decent wage and a benefit system that will support them if they find themselves in a time of, of difficulty. Rebecca, there is, there is so
1: much stigma around asking for help, um, falling back on a charity and yet really there, there doesn't need to be because I think we are all trying to find our way through this pandemic and people are falling through all kinds of cracks. To anybody watching this that is worried about where next meal's going to come from next week's food's going to come from how they're going to keep on top of their rent their debts their mortgage whatever it is what would you say to them
3: we often find that people before they come to a food bank wait till a point where they're really struggling and and really desperate we supported somebody a couple of weeks ago who had uh, gone without any food for nearly two weeks because he was uh, too afraid and too embarrassed to ask for help and he didn't know where to turn so he was at a point of absolute desperate need and um, so I would really say we don't want anyone to be in a situation where that is what is happening to you and we would say if you need help please do reach out to your local food banks, to your local advice services uh, and ask for help it's Certainly not an individual failure. There there is nothing wrong with needing to ask for help. There's debt advice provision around the country and most of those services have adapted to provide online and and remote advice. So uh, the help is very much still out there and and available for people who are struggling. And equally, if you're in a position where you are able to help, please do also get in touch with your local food bank and find out how you can best support them in your area.
1: The work you do is incredible. And thank goodness that there are organizations like you out there.
3: Thank you, Kate.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
1: presenter and journalist Vic Hope has been throwing her support behind charitable initiatives helping refugees in our local area nationwide and overseas and she's joining us today to tell us more about her work and what we can do to help some of our society's most vulnerable people through lockdown so Vic first and foremost how are you in lockdown?
4: I'm okay you know um it's it's a strange time for everyone and I think it's bringing out the best in so many people um I, I love the way that communities are coming together people are, are trying to help one another and It's putting a lot of things in perspective.
1: Absolutely. And you have been incredibly busy helping many charities, actually, during lockdown. Firstly, tell me about the Aquaba charity and how you've been volunteering with them to help the people in your area.
4: Oh, well, Aquaba is a a charity that supports refugees, asylum seekers, migrants at every stage of the process. I've been working with them for a good... about four years now. Um, But usually I work with the children's group. So we... We do workshops. I do a dancing workshop, storytelling workshops. Um, we have lots of sports and um, help with homework, English classes, that kind of thing. So lots of ways to make kids feel included And um, from all over the world who've come here for a, a number of reasons. Obviously, since the lockdown, we've not been able to run our usual session, um, the social drop-in that we have f- for the families. So instead, we've tried to adapt the service that we provide to still support these families because for a lot of them, their their situation is difficult. A lot of them are destitute or near destitute um some of them don't have their papers so if they were to, to ask for support elsewhere they might be um, deported or um, detained um a lot of them are living big families in one room in like high-rise blocks with with so little not being able to go out at all with tiny children so what we've been doing is um taking on a few families who we basically look out for and um, do their grocery shopping um, we've raised enough money to be able to provide provide a hardship fund to be able to give them some money each week to go towards um, necessities. Um, I've been taking around um, books and toys for the kids, little care packages for the mums and the dads and I've been doing casework with these families so a lot of them are stuck in the middle of a system that has been put on pause but that's incredibly anxiety inducing. If you don't know whether you're going to be deported on the other side of this or if you're going to still have a home or you're going to be um, you know sent to another city by your council because a lot of refugee families get passed council to council um i've been helping them with their paperwork um so yeah that's been it's been a lot of work and you're constantly on the phone and uh, again even even just being there as company because a lot of people
1: feel so alone at this time yeah i mean it's really important isn't it at a time like this to remember that lockdown isn't the same for everyone i think you know the the belief at the beginning of this pandemic was that we're all in in it together and it's effect it's a great leveler and it's
4: not absolutely and it it's hard like I, I just keep seeing the face of one of the little boys um who who I've I've known for years because he's been one of the little boys I've looked after on Sundays um at Aquaba. I was around at their house from a social distance just delivering some groceries and their hardship grant the other day. And obviously we're not allowed to go too close. Um but he's so used to we're so used to seeing each other, and his little face was through the letterbox, and he looked so sad and so confused. I told his mum they haven't taken them out to the park because she just wasn't really sure. She, did, she didn't really have the information that she needed to know what she could do with her kids, and she's a single mum in basically a one bedroom flat in East London, in Hackney, with three tiny kids. One of them is under two months old. She had a caesarean section, so she's she's still recovering. Essentially, she um. She can't. She, she's finding it difficult to go out and get, and, and, you know, get things that she needs, and because her back's hurting from you know surgery that she had not that long ago. And you just think that situation is so so much more difficult than mine being asked to stay at home here in my flat in Hackney with a little balcony, and you know, and it puts things in perspective. I think it's really important to remember that home is not necessarily a safe space for for everyone. Um, and I think if, if it is for you, then you have a responsibility to help if you can. You're also, um, as well as
1: your work with Aquaba, uh, working with Amnesty UK International and you've been helping with their campaign to change the domestic abuse bill in order to protect migrants from domestic violence. So tell us more about that bill and what changes in it you hope
4: it will bring about. From work that I've been doing recently with um, Refuge, we found that the number of domestic abuse murders since the beginning of lockdown has doubled which is an, wow. an insane figure for those of us who have a safe space to call home we can come home we can lock down and it's a bit annoying but at least we can stay here but imagine if you're going home to an abuser and you're putting yourself into a position where your life is even more in danger what a frightening situation to be in and amnesty realized that even more frightening is that if you go to a shelter and um, if you seek refuge There is a chance that if you don't have papers you could then be from there detained or deported so you're putting yourself in further danger just by looking for a safe space to go when the only other option is to be in danger inside your own home inside those four walls which is horribly toxic um, and just so scary so what we want to do is transform the domestic abuse bill to include migrants so that they don't put themselves in more danger by going to look for a safe space
1: so that they share the same human rights. Absolutely. You've also uh, joined in with a fitness campaign uh, run by the charity Help Refugees. Um, tell us more about that campaign and, and what they're doing.
4: It's not really been reported recently because obviously the news has taken a completely different turn for quite a while. But people living in refugee camps currently do not have access to the healthcare that they need during a pandemic often washing your hands in clean water is not even an option. Um, so self-isolation is nigh on impossible. So we're just trying to raise money um, to be able to support those people, to improve conditions and to help out where we can. Um, and so Help Refugees or Chooser is currently running around the world in 40 days, which is a bid <laughs> to, from the 23rd of May, but you can sign up now, from the 21st of May to get around the world together, working together, which is like 20. I have want to get this wrong. 26,900 miles. Um, yeah. So That's what a you hell can of a do. a marathon. <laughs> Not one, one person. I've pledged it. 100 miles. Yeah. So, you, but you could do it. However, well, it could. You can. You could run it. You could walk it. You could roll it. You could cycle it. You could even, We're saying that 20 minutes of exercise in your own house. So dance it. That counts as a mile.
1: I think it's really inspiring to hear um, how actively involved you've been in helping those that really are society's most vulnerable, um, especially from the, the refugee or the migrant community. Um, what would, what advice would you give to people who are feeling um, a bit lost in lockdown, down? Um, I mean, do you find that helping others has been a really good way for you to help yourself, for example?
4: I, I really do. And maybe that's sometimes sounds a little bit selfish that like you're doing it because it feels good but it, it it's it's better than doing nothing um, and to help out where you can because we are a community and I feel like at this time we've realized more than ever that we need one another we really do and I hope we never go back from this um, but I can understand that psychologically mentally it takes its toll on your soul for everyone the ups and downs of this so my advice would be To reach out it's nice to talk to talk to one another so look for ways that you can reach out you can help with phone campaigns maybe you could help with a mutual aid um i know there's lots of covid mutual aid groups for every different local community um, and usually the signposts for them all over the streets. Um, I don't know, it depends what you live in, but in my block of flats, there's a there's a poster um, where you can literally get your phone out, scan the barcode, and it, it enters you into the WhatsApp group that will then put you on a list where anyone who needs an errand doing in your area can post it there and you can sort of get signed to it and you say, I can do that. I can, I'm going past Sainsbury's at that time. I'll get you shopping or whatever you need. There's so many ways that you can raise money as well. And also if you need help, then reach out for it because... There will be someone else who then can talk to you too because you never know when the tables will turn um so I think we should all just be kind to one another and and that's it it's really as simple as that
1: it really is oh Vic you're doing some really great work and um I think we could all take a leaf out of your book Thank you. A huge thanks to all my guests for joining me this week. I'll be back next week with more video calls featuring those doing all they can to help us get through this pandemic. And if you think that you know of people out there that are doing brilliant work that we should be shining a light on, then please get in touch and let us know. You can reach us at Twitter at Yahoo UK using the hashtag up close and Socially distant. I'll see you next time. Stay safe.